Paul, how are you doing? Are you are you upset about Nasri to City? There's some talk about him wanting to join United, actually. There was. I'm not so much upset as befuddled by Nasri to City. I mean, he, he gave it the old, I want to leave Arsenal to win trophies. So he's gone to a club that have won one trophy in the last 35 years. Mind you, more, more than Arsenal have won in the last five. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But if you want to come to a club that wins trophies, plural, I would have thought the red half of Manchester was a better destination for the young man. But I, I imagine that much like Samuel and is reported £345,000 a week net post-tax yes. <laughs> net salary what do you think it would, do you think Eto is like uh, I'm not getting out of bed for less than 345000 a week net it's just ridiculous it's not so much I'm not getting out of bed as I'm not moving to a club I've never heard of in Russia can't spell either I can't spell it Angie everyone calls it brilliant thing on Twitter from Opta Ivan she's obviously the Russian Opta Twitter feed which I don't follow by the way I should say it was it was retweeted by Opta Joe saying that Samuel Eto'o has scored more goals than Angie have in the top flight of Russian football in his career. Yeah, in, I mean, interesting interesting thing about this though, because Eto'o's been quite vocal about racism in Spanish yeah. football, and and he's going to a club where black players are booed. So uh, it's uh, interesting that there's one thing that bridges the boundaries of race, and it's money. Apparently, it, it, it's a really sad state of affairs I think actually honestly because he's one of the most talented players in the world uh, he's been absolutely in the top five strikers anywhere in the last five years or say ten years you know I mean, he's a staggeringly good player on his day and, and it's just such a shame well I guess he's won it all right so yeah. uh, now he's, he's fulfilled his trophy needs he can go and fill his bank account I mean, uh, by the time he's finished his contract he can probably pay off the national debt of Cameroon couldn't he I, I would imagine so not being particularly well versed in Cameroonian e- economics they make a lot of money Cameroon because they own .cam and so loads of like account parking sites because it's like a really common ty- typo when people put .com so they, there's shady dealings between the Cameroonian government and various websites to be fair I'm looking at my keyboard here and A and O are not near each other so if you really did make that mistake you're an idiot but uh, there you go that's just that's just my tuppence worth on more serious notes Nasri to City I, I mean befuddled uh, yeah I, I mean United put a bid in right I guess the now accepted wisdom is that United weren't prepared to meet the £25 million asking price would have gone up to 20 and weren't prepared to meet the same wages even though Nasri would have preferred to come to United he, he wasn't pre- prepared to force that one through I guess so perhaps he, yeah, perhaps that was just talk after all and, and really what he really wanted was the 185 big ones it's a really interesting thing because you know judge not lest ye be judged and all that I'm with the, the bible on that particular line and it's like I don't know what I would do if I was Samir Nasri but I'd like to think if I had that kind of talent I'd want to apply it at the very highest level possible but then there's the part of me that says well am I just being a massive United snob and actually is moving to City not just financially incredibly viable but also genuinely they are spending so much money as you've said on this podcast many times they will win stuff because because you can't really spend that amount of money and not win stuff at some point. I mean, I, I don't know where that, that figures on most players. I mean, I know Chelsea picked up a whole load of players and, and previously they'd been a middle-ranked club and, and suddenly players wanted to go there. But but I think first and foremost, it, it, it is about money. I mean, City City have a better history than Chelsea did in many ways. I mean, City were a genuinely big club in the in the 1960s and, and Chelsea have never really been a big club ever. So, uh, I mean, I guess they have more legitimacy in, in that respect. But but look, United probably would have offered him 120, 140 
thousand pounds a week. I mean, the, the wage structure is, is such now at United having, you know, with Wayne Rooney's new contract that they will probably go that far for top players. So does it really make a big difference? 40 grand a week when you're already earning eight million pounds a year. Do you really need that extra million? Maybe. At, at some point, the numbers just, it just becomes like funny money because, because there is no lifestyle change. But, you know, I think we've talked about this before in relation to Rooney. There's no lifestyle change now, but possibly it means that your family is rich for more generations. You enter a level of wealth potentially where you can make insane amounts of money from investment and all that sort of thing. Because say your your living expenses, you've somehow managed to hit a hundred grand a week. Well, that's extra forty grand a week you can just put away whilst living like a complete mentalist. I, I wouldn't know how to spend a hundred grand a week, but but there you go. Some people do. Yeah. So anyway, I mean, I mean, it, yeah. I I guess I can't deny that it would have been nice to see Nasri at United because very talented player. Thought he had a really good game for Arsenal uh, against Liverpool last weekend. Uh, I was kind of unlucky not to score. But I'm not particularly sad about any of the transfers that we seem to have missed out on this season. Even though, I mean, I still agree that we're short in the centre of midfield. I don't know how you could could look at United squad and not think we are. But equally, I don't know how you could look at that second half performance against Spurs, the second half of the charity shield against City, and not think this is going to be an incredibly exciting season for Man United. Yeah, fine. And and I was having this debate with someone someone on the website this week uh, I, I have no doubt that Tom Cleverley is a very talented player and, and he could well be the answer to the United's uh, central midfield creativity problem it uh, could well be but he's 22 and highly inexperienced would you right now throw him into a European Cup final or a semi-final or a really big game in the Premier League away from home where United need the points and trust him to do it no because he's just not proven that he can do that so I, I think it's a, it's for me it's a no-brainer that United is an experienced creative talented player short probably actually also a destructive player short as well and and, and almost certainly not going to happen this summer I think that's a mistake uh, and but look, Ferguson knows it because why have United been ch- chasing both Nazri and Schneider all summer long? But but failing to come up once again with the cash, and that's where the real problem lies, I think. And and and, and the teams that do have the cash and are prepared to spend it have have picked up and filled that exact same problem. So Nazri will play centrally at City, and and I think that's pretty much what Mancini has said. Massa may play left for Chelsea, but he also he can play centre. I mean, he, he played uh, off the striker as a sort of number ten for. Spain under-21s during the European under-21 championships in the summer and obviously an extremely talented player and he's gone to, gone to Chelsea for, for large money too. The matter to Chelsea thing is interesting because it makes you question whether or not they're going to pick up Luka Modric as well because that, I mean, it wouldn't be a total shock if they did but Chelsea have been somewhat more fiscally responsible, well certainly a, a tremendously more fis- fiscally responsible than they were in the first flushes of uh, the Abramovich era. Wow, I mean not in the last six months they haven't, 50 million on Torres, 25 million on David Luiz and, and 26 million on, on uh, so we're talking over 100 million pounds of spending on those three players alone in the last six months but apart oh, from that yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no that's a, that's, a, that's a good point but they've been less insane about it you know apart from that I mean the Torres transfer was just pure Abramovich madness of, of the Shevchenko variety I mean it's just an insane price tag for anyone um, other than Leo Messi really but I, I don't know I just I would be surprised if they bought Modric just to 
I don't know. It does. It does seem that they've filled that hole. Well, they're still short. And Modric is obviously a much deeper lying player than Mata, so so there's no reason why those two can't play on the same side at all. Right. So you don't think this means we're sneakily going to buy Modric then? No, I, I don't think so. I think I think the price that will force Tottenham to deal is well north of the 30 million now, and Modric has shown no inclination to want to come to United. He's set his heart on Chelsea. He's sulking and and either he's refusing to play or coming up with uh, creative excuses to not have to and, and putting his manager in a very difficult position which I have to say I'm a bit surprised about because I didn't think he was that kind of player but yeah, it appears that he is just that kind of player and so there you go I mean, I think Modric Chelsea uh, will probably happen on August the 31st that's that's just my prediction we'll see if, whether I'm right but I, uh, that's my prediction and of course that meant that Modric did not turn up at Old Trafford on Monday night but Manchester United certainly did what did you make of the the game yeah I thought it was a, a pretty fine performance all round uh, especially defensively uh, given the amount of injuries there I mean obviously Evra was back but Evans and Jones excellent in the centre of defence uh, couldn't really fault either of them Smalling raiding up and down the right wing he looks like he's turned his mic on or something hasn't <laughs> he he's really bombing up and down still can't cross the ball for Toffee but he's superbly uh, athletic as a player and, and very willing and, and adventurous and, and all of that and a good defender obviously so loads of positives there central midfield again Anderson had a good game not a great I wouldn't say a great game he had a good game Okay. I thought cleverly had a good game too and, and, and Rooney and Welbeck played well up front I mean what can you say I thought it was a, a very solid all round performance having said that Spurs didn't turn up I mean as as is the norm at Old Trafford these days so I've got a few things to say about that one, one I think that to say Phil Jones didn't put a foot wrong is to slightly downplay his performance because uh, he put some feet incredibly right I was I was totally blown away by Phil Jones's performance against Spurs his last ditch tackling was magnificent his positioning was generally fantastic the kid is 19 years old and he looks 27 you know I mean he actually looks 27 he looks like an old man already but he it is his awareness was spectacular and his running is I just thought you know his comfort on the ball brilliant absolutely brilliant performance from Phil Jones yeah I mean look he's class all over isn't he I mean it's very easy to get overexcited about this but, but and we have seen players before look really good and then not quite make it out of Trafford but you just think this this guy's too good not to be a really top player and, and I, I mean he, he looks so assured that you've got to say that you know, Rio Ferdinand he will come straight back into the side Rio Ferdinand when he's fit and he looks like he might actually be fit for the Arsenal game at the weekend uh, but but you, you can't guarantee that by the end of the season Jones isn't isn't forcing him aside now, I know Evans had a brilliant game too and obviously Smalling but I just think there's everything about Jones says you know real top class international player yeah I mean uh, it, it was brilliant to see Evans having such a good game especially in an inexperienced back four because the thing about Evans is that he's always played really much better when Rio was playing alongside him but I, I thought he had a really good game too and that was very nice to see but yeah you're right it's it's not him that you think is going to be nudging Rio or Nemanja out of the first team but but Jones and Vidic that, that just sounds like a brilliant uh, central defensive partnership to me uh, yep yeah, and and it looks like that will, that will happen at some point I I, the, I think the question is just when and you know that's uh, that might even be tough on Chris Smalling who had such a great season last season but he's doing well at right back I mean I still wouldn't say that's his uh, natural position by any means and in Raphael and Fabio a couple of uh, players who are much more comfortable attacking than and, and, and dangerous in the last third than, than Smalling is and I, I'm sure the, the right back position will 
revert to them at some point in the season. I mean, you said uh, in last week's show that you thought that in spite of our inexperienced back four and goalkeeper under some pressure who'd been a little shaky in a couple of games, you thought that we would keep a clean sheet. And Harry's tactic of reading the newspapers saying De Gea was dodgy from long shots and going, all right, Jermaine, what I want you to do, right, is when you get in the final third of the pitch, just wallop it and the goalkeeper will let it in. Uh, clearly, he didn't watch as much Spanish uh, football as you did last season because De Gea was particularly assured from those long shots. There were a couple of slight spillages, but nothing nothing really worrying. Just He spilled one long, yeah, he spilled one long range one and then jumped on it and was kicked in the head, uh, which was, uh, you know, it should have been a yellow card, actually, and it wasn't yeah, given. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you can't say the ball was there. The ball was not there. For him. He had the ball in two hands and he was kicked in the face. But he was he was quick enough to react to solve the problem. And then one where he kind of palmed it around the post. And I didn't really see that as a fumble, actually. I think he, he was trying to direct that wide. It didn't, didn't look like... As, as someone who has played in gold, <laughs> albeit 20-odd years ago, 25 years ago, probably, I, I didn't really see that as him attempting. He didn't put his body behind the ball, for example. I didn't see that as him trying to catch that. There was one flap in the second half from across. There was, yes. That was bad. And, and Ferguson called that one out and said uh, he lost concentration there, which was probably the case, actually. He didn't have an awful lot to do. No, but I thought, he, you know, it was, it was brilliant to see him keep a clean sheet and just hilarious. That, that Harry Redknapp genuinely appeared to believe what he'd been reading in the papers. That, that was the only explanation I could come up with. Well, it was completely wasteful. It's completely wasteful. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Because, because, you know, there were times where we were slightly vulnerable to the counter-attack, I thought. And, and if Phil Jones hadn't been quite so massive, we would have been we would have been more vulnerable to the counter-attack. Right. But going going forward, what I, Danny Welbeck scored a goal and simultaneously got injected by some sort of magic potion, turning him into super Danny Welbeck. Because after his goal... He was just Diego Maradona, you know, overhead kick from six yards yeah, yeah. straight at the keeper was unfortunate. But the, the funny thing was that he wasn't having a great game up to that point. Was Not he? at all. He was having a bad game. Uh, you know, he was a lot of people saying get him off, and and I I, I didn't really know what you would do instead necessarily because I didn't think Chicharito was ready for 45 minutes, or Fergie didn't seem to think he was. And I thought bringing Berbatov on. I hate to say this, I thought bringing Berbatov on would have been a mistake because it would have killed the flow of the play. I'm not comfortable saying those words out loud, but you know, but yeah, well, but it was having a shocker. But as soon as that ball went in off his head, a beautiful cross from Cleverly and, and Welbeck in exactly the right place and, and, right. and finished it well. But then after that, I mean, his assist for that second goal was was the stuff of dreams. Completely inspired, wasn't it? Yeah, and a great cross from Cleverly for Welbeck's goal, uh, which is interesting really because Cleverly has played sort of wide right, especially for England under 20 ones in summer where he, he looked kind of lost I thought but putting a fine ball Beckham-esque ball you might say great great header uh, I mean, certainly not easy to put it right in the corner and then just absolute magic from Welbeck the, the back heel and just anticipating Anderson's run and for some reason Anderson decided to burst into box uh, which which is n- not one of his better fortes normally and, and he actually managed to score maybe he's starting because he also hit a shot really hard a few minutes before that so I I'm it's very early early in the season yet but I I am excited I'm not going to deny it I'm not going to pretend I'm not I'm not going to try and keep a level head about it because I'm sure you'll do that for the both of us but I am excited about Anderson this season well look, look I, I mean I think I said this last week you know, my opinion will change if the facts change so yep. with, with with my problem with Anderson and the reason I said earlier he didn't have a great game because actually I don't think he had a great game he I mean his passing was better than it has been it was 80 odd percent in terms of completion which was much better than it has been in the past I mean he regularly especially away from home he gave the ball away 
away more than a quarter of the time, which I think is just criminal at the level United plays. Uh, so it was, it was better. He didn't, I was, I was looking at the stats earlier, uh, he didn't create a single chance, and actually most of the passes he gave away were in the final third, which of course is the most difficult part, but, but if he's going to be a creative attacking player, then, then that's where you actually have to make the passes count. And so not a single chance created, and he gave away the ball significant amount. I think more than 50% of his passes in the final third were given away. So things he has to work on if he's going to be a player that really makes the difference for United in key games. Yeah, although, you know, he got himself into the right place, into exactly the right place at the right time to score the second goal. He did indeed. Um, and that made it that made a huge difference because although at 1-0 we were playing very well, you know, Tottenham could have nicked one and that, that would have, you know, probably deflated a lot of the atmosphere inside the ground and made it a lot more difficult. And, and I felt that second goal was really crucial. And it was beautiful to see it so well executed by that, that young, dynamic, attacking team. And then Rooney got his goal at the end, which were, was well deserved because uh, another fine performance and excellent lols in the goal celebration, pointing at his newly formed head of hair, as if to suggest that that was uh, the reason that he'd managed to get a header event at last. Oh, yes. The, the hill clarity of it god those japesters i love a bit of lols on the pitch yes best place for it yeah um but yeah i, I just just a brilliant performance all around for me i mean okay so for the first 60 minutes we were only okay but once once the team sprung into life it was a sight to behold i've not been that excited uh, about united before. well not since the community shield two weeks ago but before that it's been a long time uh, it, look, it is a cliche but it's something about having a lot of young players in the side there's uh, there's more invention there's more energy there's the game has been played at a better pace, much, much quicker than last season, I think. And I think that really does help. And it, you know, it injects everyone, the fans included, with a bit of enthusiasm when, when they play at that kind of pace. And it's good to see, really good to see. And, and I guess it will be needed for the weekend against Arsenal, right? I mean, I, we, it's still Arsenal. I know they are in crisis and, and all of that. And they have no chance of winning the title this season. They've lost two of their best players this summer. And they, uh, they look like they'll be calling up the tea lady to the side. They've got so few players at the moment. But, but it is still Arsenal, and uh, they could still pose a problem or two, I think, maybe. How, how exactly are they going to do that? Someone said it's, it's Sod's Law on Twitter earlier that, that they'll, uh, they'll get stuffed and, uh, you know, in Europe and uh, somehow react to it. I don't, I don't th- if that happens, and we are speaking before the Arsenal's European game, then who, who knows? I don't, know, I don't know how they'd come back for it. They just don't seem to have the strength of character to do that at the moment. No, I mean, the, the one thing that you would say is that when they beat us last season, it was a game that we needed to win and we played really badly and they didn't need to win at all and so they played really well again and and maybe there is an aspect to which the pressure's off them this season because the expectations have been massively massively curtailed no one's talking them about them as legitimate title contenders and nor should they because they were quite a way off last season and they've lost their two best players or at least two of their three best players Uh, they've still got Van Persie up front who do a lot of damage but our defense our defense did look excellent so you know that that that's tremendously in our in our favor and I actually think we stack up stylistically incredibly well against Arsenal now as well because we're going to be able to move the ball around as quickly as they are and probably have a well probably definitely have a much more solid defense and more penetration than they've got I I think that's right I mean there have been times in the past years that Arsenal have actually outpassed us and and kept the ball better than us I'm not sure that'll happen this time at all I mean I don't know who they'll play I mean they're so short in midfield that uh, yeah they're, they're in real trouble at the moment so um, Arshavin's out of favour even though they're so short in, in midfield and, and I, you know, it would seem that he'll be on his way if they could
could find a buyer for him and, and if, uh, if, if extraordinary if Finger can get, get some new players at all right so just for one second I'm sorry to ask you to do this right because I know it's going to be painful for you but pretend you're an Arsenal fan right I, I know that's hard would you be happy with Wenger as a manager well I think he's got a massive bank of credit so yeah it's it would take a, a really really fickle fan to not have faith in Wenger in a in a kind of wider sense uh, right now the the kind of micro part of managing Arsenal and the things he's said over this summer you know how can we be a big club if we sell our two best players good question and trust me I, I know what we're doing and there is money to spend and, and all of that you could you could easily be upset with all of that and the feeling that Wenger's been disingenuous with the media most managers are uh, the, feel, the feeling <laughs> yeah, we, that we, he has no real intention of, of going out there and spending money and he'll probably just keep what he's got and even if he did spend money would anyone actually go to them right at the moment uh, of you know real genuine quantity it, you know the reality is Arsenal are not in that market so they'll they'll be buying young players again is that what they really need I mean you say yeah spent 25 million this summer but on on young players yeah and I mean I, I don't even know if it's fickle anymore because it's been a long time and it's been the same problem over and over and over again and it's been kind of clear to see from the outside what the problem is and yet the manager doesn't appear to have done anything about it and certainly is not saying he's doing anything about it but quite the opposite but saying trust me and you know I, was, I don't know if we even talked about it last week but the whole thing of you know young teams only get better it's like that's really not true I mean we're obviously not in a position to talk about managers who are disingenuous in the media because Sir Alex Ferguson is a great big massive hardcore liar oh yeah you know he's 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 completely and utterly uninterested in telling the truth this is not something that means anything to him in in a public forum so so we can't talk there but I I just think I just think I would be sick to the back teeth of Arsene Menger if I was an Arsenal fan uh, at this point and I'm not fickle about these things at all so I I don't know I just I I feel I feel bad for him there has been protest uh, and it's because the prices of the tickets went up Uh, again they've got some of the most expensive tickets in the Premier League they're told all the time that what they're paying for is is entertainment but they keep losing their best players and won trophy in years and they're not not replacing the quality uh, that they're losing with the same quality coming in and so in theory they're, they're getting a, a, an inferior product for a greater price and and no consumer is ever going to be happy with that so we were completely wrong i think we both pretty much agreed that carrick would play against spurs and he would he would go for an older head in that central midfield but he he seems very happy with cleverly and anderson and they're producing results do you think he will play that sort of 4-4-2 with Welbeck and well just basically exactly the same starting 11 challenging on that one isn't it because like logic says that he'll probably try and filter some experienced players back into the side for for I mean Arsenal within Chelsea two really big games uh, and uh, obviously Liverpool and Man City coming up in the next month or so uh, so logic says that he will probably try and do that by equal logic you would say that why, why change a winning team that's young and fresh and not tired yet and playing really well uh, you know to bring Carrick back in who will, will play in a completely different way so cleverly cleverly is a one touch pass move pass move uh, and Carrick uh, will play deeper and slower and maybe not even as well as cleverly he's been playing so that's a big call and uh, Welbeck again yeah look two average performances for me against West Brom and and Tottenham but he's a player who's on the up and and it seems the right thing to do to give him time because he's clearly uh, a lad with a load of talent, uh, goal 
brilliant finish with his head and uh, creation, you know, chance creation for Anderson. Both uh, tell you that he's a lad with a, a load of talent, and Ferguson believes in him. So again, that would be a real shame to change that. And also, uh, if if it's Berbatov coming in, it, it really changes our dynamic. If it's Hernandez coming in, then then fair enough. You know, I can still play at that sort of you know, pace. Yeah, I mean the the Welbeck thing. I don't think you can say that he had an average game against Spurs. I think that you can say, oh well, I guess you could use a certain argument to say he's pretty poor and then absolutely extraordinary so that kind of averages out to average but it really was like he took some sort of pill at the point at which he scored the goal and he really really did play out of his skin for uh, 15 minutes after that so I don't know but uh, but I have no idea whether that justifies his inclusion in the squad this time I think that's a really tricky selection problem if Chichi's fully fit I think if you know again I really do hate to say this but I think if it's a choice between Welbeck and Berbatov then you play Welbeck just because the system's working and Arsenal are going to struggle against that kind of attack in a way because you know Arsenal's defence is, is is really porous they let in a ridiculously comical goal well scored a comical own goal against Liverpool um, they didn't let any goals in against Newcastle but Newcastle haven't really got any players yeah right right we'll see I, I mean I couldn't pick the side but you, you would expect a few changes right I mean it's just it's just Ferguson's nature but yeah, we'll see I mean I think we said that last week so and, and he didn't do it no the only changes from the previous week were uh, the, the, the changes that were enforced on him and they didn't look like it made us any weaker I, I'm just really really excited about the team I'm really excited about it I, well, there's definitely going to be games where we're not as good and there's going to be frustrations and Nanny's going to do his Nanny thing where he you know runs really well with the ball and then gives it away at the last minute and it's just great six chances against Spurs I mean that's the thing with Nani the output is incredible even if he is he is incredibly frustrating yeah and that's why it's it's well worth it and I, I think I even you know if, if Valencia was fully fit I'd, I'd just be keeping Nani in the side for the time being while he's while he's still effective we've had a question in on on a, on a related subject from Aawate91 who says does Ed feel the egg on his face after saying that Clevs and Ando couldn't do it against big teams Barca City and now Spurs. No, uh, and I, I think t- just a tad <laughs> misleading that question, is it? Barcelona, you know, at least three weeks behind United fitness-wise, weren't playing any of their big players. Let, you know, let's throw that one out. City, again, well behind them. We've talked about how fit United are. Uh, Ferguson's gone out to play a lot of games pre-season. Obviously, he's been very intense training. He's, he's, uh, there's been a plan to get United going quickly from the off and clearly fitter than uh, City uh, during that second half a good game against Spurs but this is Spurs playing uh, Doug Livermore in the centre midfield uh, hardly a uh, hardcore Premier League established player either so I think judgment on Anderson and Cleverly comes uh, in the big games at the end of the season when it really counts and uh, not after two and a half games uh, or whatever it's been uh, that they've had this season no I mean yeah it's the, the, it's the time for calm heads I suppose but but I'm I mean I'm really hopeful that at the end of the season we'll be saying yeah all well, that early season promise was fulfilled and and I wouldn't be totally surprised if we were because because there's, there's just a lot of promise at the moment um, One thing to say on that note actually Phil Jones Danny Welbeck and Ben Amos in the England under 21s uh, this this week it's a shame in a way because uh, Jones and Welbeck got a call up for the England game against Holland and which was called off due to the, the rioting yeah. Cleverly of course was, uh, was in that squad too and he's not I don't think he qualifies for the under 21s anymore but Welbeck Jones are and Ben Amos United's third or fourth choice keeper depending on where Thomas Cusack is the 
these days um, in that squad. And I, I guess a, a shame given their form that they're not in the, the main squad. But uh, yeah, still young guys, plenty, plenty, you know, time for that ahead. Yeah, and and hopefully they'll all retire from international football and not have to deal with the circus that is England. Yeah, yeah, fourth best side in the world officially. So it says FIFA. There is something wrong with FIFA. I know that's not necessarily a radical statement uh, given the summer that they had, but but. England are an absolute shower and have been for 15 years. A shower of what, exactly? They're just rubbish. They're just rubbish. And, you know, I'm, I, I, I've am i said before, I, I grew up a, quite a big England fan. I'm, I'm not a patriot, but I always like the England national team. And and they, they've just been awful for years and years and years. I, I don't know by what metric you make them fourth best in the world. No, I don't, well, I don't know either. Uh, the, the boffins are... Yeah, FIFA will have to explain that one. I think you're mispronouncing idiot. Yeah, well, there's there's a, a rival statistical model that has England about six, but I think even that is pretty generous given uh, England's results in recent times. I'm not sure how any metric gets England in the top 20 in world football. No. Well, I, ge- I guess it's qualifying for the World Cup and making the second round. It's, you know, that's top 16-ish. So, <laughs> Ish. More top 32 if they get through to the yeah. second round. But, you know, nearly. But I guess they get through to the quarterfinals most the time don't they because yeah well i mean who, who knows i mean the fact is a big football nation 60 million people and and the richest league tournament in the world and and we we haven't produced a, a side that came even close to winning for donkey's years and but it's possible that the next generation of really exciting talent that are all playing for man united will come through and be good well maybe but but england england and the 21s absolutely dismal in the european championships in the summer knocked out at the group stages uh England under twenties uh, went out early in the in the under twenties World Cup as well. Uh, we haven't had a, an England age group team reach a final since what a couple of years ago, and they got hammered four 0 by Germany, who all those players progressed to the World Cup squad. Did really well for Germany last year. I mean, I'd say if you look at the age group teams, there's no real hope for England getting good anytime soon. Uh, uh, but but of course, yeah, nucleus of English talent in the United side now. I think there were six English players in in the United team against. Spain. And, and four of them were around 20 or 21-ish. And I, I do kind of like that, n- not from a patriotic perspective, but just because I think it's kind of nice seeing players excel in the league in their own country. You know, there's there's something kind of cool about that. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's no. I think I'm thinking that's right. I mean, if you if you have international competition, you kind of that that's you know, it's kind of the nature of it, and it is it is nice to, to it will be nice to see again, like you, not particularly patriotic, and but it will be nice to see United do well in the Europe. European Cup with a core of English players. An interesting statistic I saw on Twitter earlier. Of the 127 times in Premier League history that uh, no English players have featured in a team, 121 of them, 101. 100, no, 101 of them were 101 of them were Arsenal, which is funny. Yeah. yeah so I, I think I, I said another thing. Uh, I, I was making fun of Arsenal in the European Cup and looking forward to them being knocked out. And someone did tweet back at me, but they're English. You just spoil. I was like, well, hang on a minute. Owners are American and Russian. Uh, man is French the entire team is not English so I suppose they're actually based in England yes the the stadium is financed by uh, an American bank but yeah there you go yeah the Emirates Stadium that great uh, pantheon of nationalism yes indeed Uh, yeah much like the Etihad campus of the United campus as we like to call them and talking of United uh, their stadium is unfortunately called I just wanted to say a couple of shout outs to some of the people 
uh, who were nice enough to say nice things about the rank cast at Ad Perkins says that there is definitely competition for our number one Canadian fan which is it's lovely to hear apparently we're really big in Canada I didn't realise this we have at least three people listening to us there I also wanted to give a shout out to someone that's been very supportive of the rank cast for a long time which is at Will underscore Lum L-U-M-B um, who has recently started a blog the pride of all Europe dot blogspot.com which as well as being an excellent name for a United blog is also really well written uh, his first post so keep up the good work and you've got the full support of the rank cast behind you splitters uh, <laughs> and I also wanted to give a shout out to my boss who gave me his champions scarf from Monday night which I, I came into work on Tuesday and it was in its little package delivered by DHL with its little letter from Alex Ferguson and David Gill and I couldn't help feeling that it was a reasonably nice gesture that scarf I'm sure you all think it's a terribly cynical PR move of the worst variety to appease the fans um, but yes. they didn't have to do it no they didn't but but there you go i mean you you wouldn't have been lost for for knowing who united's new sponsor was at old trafford on monday night yeah let's put it that way i mean but uh, yeah amazing really actually that deal uh something like four million pounds a year which is just for training kits and that's more than 12 other teams in the premier league their main top and, and this is entirely driven by sky sports news rolling coverage of of united at carrington i mean if it wasn't for the rolling media news and blogs and all of that that deal will never be done it's it's kind of you know the monster is feeding itself it's an extraordinary deal i can't believe we didn't have it on the list of things to talk about i mean do you think it perhaps how long is the deal with uh aon the aon deal was a three-year deal and i'm sure ed woodward and his commercial team he's the chief of staff a very odd title for basically chief commercial officer at united actually has a london-based team and i'm sure they'll be looking for a, a large increase on the 20 million pounds a season and do you think that DHL are perhaps in the market for that no I think they're a global name already I think both uh, AIG and Aon have shown that uh, companies who have a uh, you know a good uh, financial base obviously they don't have to spend that kind of money and want global recognition get it very quickly with United so I think um, Aon might well be thinking uh, well do we actually we've got the the global recognition boost that we're seeking we don't need to carry that on and United may well be thinking that they can increase the the value I mean I think uh, they, they may well have thought they, they undersold themselves anyway because Liverpool struck a deal with Standard Charter, Hong Kong-based bank, for a very similar sum. And uh, you know, this is a Liverpool side that hasn't won the league in 20-odd in years. Yeah, so um, it's if if they don't need the shirt sponsorship because they're already a, a global brand, is it just the amount of times they'll be shown on Sky Sports and maybe pictures in the newspapers and all that kind of stuff? That yeah, and who knows? I mean, I was just I was pontificating there whether whether DHL would be in the running or not. I mean, look, it, maybe they will. Who knows? I, I don't know. I mean, but yeah, it's uh, that, that the point about um, you know doing the training kit sponsorship. Yeah, it's entirely driven by rolling news coverage. Yeah. But I mean, how many people are watching Sky Sports News? They can't get amazing figures. I guess, though, when you're sitting waiting in a in a waiting room somewhere and there's a telly on, if it's not BBC News or CNN or something, it's it's likely to be Sky Sports News. But it's, it's, yeah, and it's the culture of, of reporting on everything that's going on around, you know, the training ground injury, the bus yeah. stop, the, yeah, whatever it is. I mean, it, it wasn't the case in the past, was it? And, and uh, it's the kind of complete media saturation. And, and it's interesting, actually, because one, one of the things about football I and mean, football in, in global terms is a puny business 
United is a one and a bit billion, depending on on whether you're you're a Glazer valuer at two billion pounds or a realistic valuer at like a billion and a bit of United. Still, in global terms, that's a puny business. But in in terms of global media coverage and airtime, it's a huge business. Mm. And and this has been one of the problems for football over the years is monetizing all that. You know, I I, I write this blog. I'm a tiny tiny part of global media coverage of United, but Manchester United is making zero money out of you know their brand being extended through to United Rant and the Rant cast and, and all of that and multiply that by big media globally and most of that isn't monetized and this is an interesting way that they are now managing to monetize and of course on the same day they announced a deal with um, Beeline which is Vimplecom Vimplecom's a Russian mobile operator that has a subsidiary in, in Vietnam and uh, under the Beeline brand there's, there's several around that part of the world and, and uh, another one of these regional exclusive deals which has been strategy over the last two years and they've been they've been very successful i mean in, increased uh, united's commercial income turnovers up 72 percent uh, during the glazer time so you know that's, that's a, a a strong financial performance in revenue terms yeah i mean especially given that money is less available global economic blah 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 you know all that stuff so that, that is kind of impressive in a way it's just a shame that you know the team won't necessarily see the benefit of that it's just a way of managing the leveraged debt the debt from the leverage buyout. Yes. Well, we started this this show talking about uh, Nasri and and Matter at Chelsea, and of course uh, the Schneider thing has been ongoing for seemingly ever. And, and the reason why those deals have not happened, despite Ferguson's interest, is is uh, United not competing at the very top level uh, in in financial terms with with City and Real Madrid and Barcelona and Chelsea. Uh, and it's a simple fact. Uh, and uh, the reason United uh, is not is not is absolutely nothing to do with the amount of revenue the club generates uh, it generates yeah, the third biggest revenue in in the world but it's easily the most profitable in terms of operating profits uh, but you know still spunking out millions of pounds a year of cash on interest and fees and and all of that and that's, that's still causing yeah, absolutely a and uh, just before we go uh, we've kind of covered this but it's uh, contractually we're obligated to m- mention our uh, friend howard at happy hero who asks after watching our second demolition of spurs do either of us still think we need another midfielder aka the, the S-bomb yes and I've answered that one yes I, I still I still do and that's that's nothing against Tom Cleverly I, I think uh, I think he would benefit from having a top class midfielder in there too yeah no I, I, I agree with you but I don't think we're going to need the S-bomb in order to get rid of uh, Arsenal at Old Trafford I think we will see them off I don't think it's going to be a walk in the park because they do still have a lot of talented players in that side I think if they have any any strength of character whatsoever they're going to want to put on a show at Old Trafford they're going to want to give it their absolute best so I'm going to say we're only going to beat them 2-1 I think there, there you go I think United looks so solid at the back of the moment so I, I'm going to go for a 2-0 win excellent who do you think confident scorers confident scorers I, I, I think Rooney is on a run he's going to score again and maybe a first of the season for Tom Cleverley yeah that was exactly what I was going to say so uh, I'm, I'm not going to change it just to be different I, I, I think Rooney and Cleverley will score our goals and I think Van Persie will score Arsenal's uh, I'm not a gambling man but I guess I'd make loads of money if I got that right put put your money on that the, the rank cast no, has sir. broken <laughs> alright well Ed it's been a pleasure as always uh, I guess we'll be back to do another one of these next week where we'll look back on that Arsenal game and we'll also talk about the Champions League draw which we're recording early this week which is why we haven't covered that but we will give you all our thoughts and feelings and we'll have loads of time to digest it and consider 
the potential matchups, and it's exciting, isn't it? The Champions League draw. I'm, it is. I'm, it I'm, is. Yeah, it's. Uh, it always is. I mean, United in in pot one as always, uh, and being ahead of the draw, uh, we'll get a you know a decent draw. And, and on that note, I think it's time to say football is a pleasant game. Play in the sunshine, play in the rain, but the team that gets me excited is Manchester United. Beat you soon. Bye.